0: Welcome to the First Take podcast with Virginia Lee and myself, Simon King. On this week's episode, we discuss phase three clinical data for a new depression therapy being co-developed by Sage Therapeutics and Biogen. The FDA's new, but also old, Commissioner Robert Califf, whose reappointment five years after he first held the role was confirmed by the US Senate this week, and whether Regeneron can make its multi-billion dollar eye disorder therapy, ILEA, an even more compelling product for physicians. Please like, subscribe and thanks for listening. So, Virginia, what did we learn this week from the latest phase three readout for Sage and Biogen's depression programme?
1: So I think big picture this week's data really cemented xeranolone's profile as a situational depression therapeutic with a rapid onset of action but the readout didn't actually answer the questions of whether or how this could be used in a chronic setting and that could majorly limit its commercial potential. So the, the data came out of the phase three coral study and that was looking at xeranolone administered alongside standard of care for major depressive disorder. And the readout was technically positive. It showed a significant reduction in depressive symptoms versus standard of care plus placebo at day three and then over the two week treatment period. And the interesting thing here was its quick onset of action, but those data were really clouded by the fact that its efficacy profile didn't hold up at day 15 nor at day, 20, day 42, which really underlined concerns that analysts and KOLs already had about the program's durability. And the study also didn't address questions that KOLs previously flagged about what a long-term dosing regimen for this drug might look like. It's given as a two-week treatment course, and SAGE has suggested that this could be used intermittently, but it's really not clear how that would play out in practice.
0: So this has been a closely watched pipeline product for some years now. And given all that you've just said, are there still reasons for optimism with zuranolone?
1: Yeah, all that said, most agree the drug appears to be approvable, and Sage and Biogen say they're on track to complete the NDA filing next half, and it does provide a differentiated mechanism of action versus other antidepressants, and it has a relatively clean safety profile. So the drug is a GABA-A receptor-positive allosteric modulator, and psychiatrists that we snap-polled last year were generally impressed with the safety profile. It had low con- discontinuation rates in the low single digits in phase three, and most said they would at least consider prescribing alone if approved. And the rapid onset of action is important, especially for severe patients. There aren't that many options for quick symptom relief on the market, and it appears to be a program that could really complement the existing landscape. The big question for Sage and Biogen going forward is whether they can argue for a broad use and what the label will eventually look like.
0: Okay. I think it's probably worth flagging as well for listeners some provisional data from a poll of US um, psychiatrists and primary care physicians that we got into the field this week after those results came out. And I think, you know, like you said, you mentioned that we've done some previous polls on this and the new feedback echoes the view that rapid onset and the ability to dose patients for a short duration could definitely be real game-changing characteristics for a novel depression therapy. But my sort of first glance at the data suggests that physicians look pretty unconvinced by the new results that were released this week. Um, I'm going to be looking at the feedback in more detail and as we get more of it, and we'll publish those results in the next few days.
1: Great. And moving on to our our next topic, Uh, Robert Califf was reappointed as the commissioner of the FDA this week. So, Simon, what can we expect from his second stint in the role?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's been a protracted absence of of an FDA commissioner for some time now. So generally, I think from an industry and an investor perspective, his appointment is, is a welcome one. Um, The final Senate vote was 50 to 46 in his favour, which is narrowly uh, narrowly narrower than when he was first appointed in 2016 by a vote of 89 to 4. Um, He was appointed initially just at the end of President Obama's administration, and I think he served for about 11 months. Um, A group of Democrat senators this time have opposed his recommendation, due to the approval of certain opioid painkillers during his first stint as commissioner. And there's been this kind of ongoing suggestion that his ties to the industry have um, perhaps in the past been a little bit too close. I think saying that, and with that as kind of the backdrop, you know, it's interesting that the FDA appears to already be swinging back, um, possibly at the moment, to a more conservative stance. Um you know we often talk about that pendulum at the fda swinging one way or the other and and i think in terms of conservatism you know we've seen we've seen it particularly in oncology in in the last sort of year or so which is um you know the area where at times the fda has actually been at its most flexible in the past Uh, you know we've previously talked about the withdrawal of some of those accelerated cancer drug approvals where the confirmatory data's um not come through We saw the FDA last week and its oncology division, you know, quite aggressively push back on prior suggestions uh, that it might be willing to use Chinese data to support new drug approvals. And then even this week, we've heard that um, a closely watched uh, drug application from Mirati Therapeutics, where it's KRAS inhibitor, has been accepted by the agency. But it's going to receive a standard rather than priority review, which appears to reflect the fact that there's already a, a competing drug in this class on the market. So I think, you know, there's evidence of this conservatism. I guess in contrast, the approval of Aduhelm last year sort of sticks out um, like a bit of a sore thumb against that. You know, that's a situation where the FDA has not only appeared to the majority of of observers as pretty lenient, but there's actually also been questions raised about the protocols that have been followed. And Caliph has already suggested that the accelerated approval pathway, which was used by Biogen with Aduhelm, is going to be one of his focal points over the coming months and years. Of course, there's still certain pandemic-related regulatory decisions to be made. Um, the near-term one seems to be whether Pfizer's vaccine is going to be uh, approved for use in younger children. And I guess you know there's going to be question marks about whether existing authorizations, and I'm thinking more about maybe the, the antibody therapies that have been, uh, been granted um, emergency use authorization whether they will potentially need changing over the next year or so, if new COVID-19 variants emerge.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned some of the more conservative decisions that the FDA has made lately, because I'm curious to see how this will evolve with Caliph at the helm. He's known as an advocate for innovation in clinical trial design and using digital technologies to expand access to clinical studies. And I expect to see him push for further modernization within the FDA. And he's also said that one of his priorities will be developing policies to guide the FDA on how to use real world data and real world evidence in regulatory decisions, which is something he started during his previous stint as commissioner. So those are some of the things that we'll be watching closely going forward. And then lastly, Regeneron announced some positive phase two data this week for a higher dose of its multi billion dollar retinal therapy, ILEA. Simon, why did these results catch your eye?
0: Well, like you say, Virginia, partly because ILEA is a huge revenue earner for Regeneron. Um, it's a standard of care therapy for age-related macular degeneration and diabetic um, macular edema. I think the sales in the US were approaching sort of $6 billion last year and were over $9 billion on a global basis. And it's still kind of uh, you know, delivering year-on-year year sort of fairly uh, decent growth. The phase two data that Regeneron announced this week are not conclusive and that they're labelled as proof of concept data, but I certainly think they're very encouraging. They suggest that use of a higher eight milligram version of ILEA, um, and this is for the treatment of AMD specifically, has been shown to provide numerically superior, and, and albeit not statistically significant um, improvement in efficacy over the marketed two milligram version. But perhaps the, the, the more important news is that once um, the, the testing progressed beyond the initial uh, eight weeks, they then started to move the dosing of both um, the eight milligram and two milligram versions of ILEA out to a period of once every 12 weeks. And this is an important thing because obviously these agents are, are injected directly into the eye. And the new data show that the numerically superior efficacy for the higher dose was maintained with this once every 12-week dosing um, out to a period of 44 weeks.
1: Okay, so why, why is that important?
0: Well, there's a couple of things. I think you know number one, it raises expectations and the focal um, you know, the focus on the data from two Phase three studies which are coming later this year, and they're evaluating this higher dose of ILEA as both a once-every-12 and 16-week um, you know, administration schedule. So, so they're, they're trying to actually push this even further in terms of less frequent dosing. And then this just comes a few weeks after the FDA-approved Roche's verbismo, which is a bispecific antibody, um, which has received labelling saying that it can be administered every three or four months. And it looks like this product could be the biggest competitor yet to ILEA. So, you know, with that as the backdrop, analysts welcomed the new data for ILEA this week because it does seem to have firmed up Regeneron's strategy and its position for defending itself in the market. And, you know, there's still some questions about whether this new version will prove to be compelling enough to, you know, to stop other branded products being used. And also, you know, we've got by similar versions of ILEA uh, potentially coming to the market in 2024. So I think there's going to be, question marks about whether the data are compelling enough to sort of potentially limit biosimilar uptake. Um, And there's also, I'm sure there's going to be some question marks around intellectual property as well and whether patents can be extended as a result. What I can say is that, you know, we ran another poll this week actually to US and European ophthalmologists and, you know, the, the preliminary data that we've got, you know, they really like these results. And I don't think that's surprising because ILEA is already a widely used therapy and the other thing that I should have noted up front is that actually the higher dose was not associated with any additional toxicity either so to me these data albeit they're early stage and in a relatively you know a a phase two size um, patient population they very much represent a win in my eyes and they put you know focus on those phase three data which are due to read out later in the year.